0: Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's January 26th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Some situational awareness this Tuesday morning. Last night, the impeachment managers, led by Senator Jamie Raskin, walked from the House of Representatives to the floor of the Senate to present the article of impeachment against former President Trump January 3rd, for inciting insurrection.
1: resolve that Donald John Trump, president of the United States, is impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors.
0: His trial is set to start the week of February 8th. Here's what else you need to know today. How effective is the vaccine against new variants of the virus? Plus, historically Black colleges shifting demographics. But first, today's one big thing. What's going on at the state level with coronavirus vaccines? The Biden administration has a goal of 100 million coronavirus vaccinations in the first 100 days. That's a big number logistically, but many experts say it's not enough. The federal government can mandate a vaccine rollout like this, but it's up to the states on how to execute it. And how's that going? Well, according to the CDC, states like West Virginia have been able to give out 83 percent of their allotment. In Florida, it's 53 percent. This is Celine Sanfelice with Axios Tampa Bay. Florida's still topping state death records, and appointments are running out within hours of being posted. The White House said that Florida has only used half of its vaccines, so there's a lot of confusion as to where they are and who can get them. And in Minnesota, just 47 percent. This is Tori Vanute with Axios Twin Cities. Here in
2: Minnesota, there's way more demand right now than there is available supply, and that's led to
0: issues with communication, issues with distribution, issues with booking appointments. Julie Robner is Chief Washington Correspondent for Kaiser Health News and host of KHN's What the Health podcast and is here to explain more. Hi, Julie. Hi. So West Virginia is doing the best, but even states that are doing well are having problems. Can you give us a sense of what, for example, West Virginia is facing? Well, West
2: Virginia is running out of vaccine, obviously, if they've used up 83 percent. What we're seeing in a lot of states is that what they're expecting to get is not what they're getting. They're having trouble figuring out
0: what they're going to have for the weeks to come. Can you explain what the relationship is between the federal government and states when it comes to vaccine rollout? The United States public health
2: system is largely local. Generally, it's your county health department that Does these things. It's responsible for the last mile, if you will. And from county to county, things vary widely. And it's reinventing the wheel thousands of times for every county in the United States.
0: So, to your mind, how should people be thinking about this?
2: Well, the problem is it's still really confusing, and that's someplace that the federal government really could help. The CDC gives out guidelines, but then you get different rules from the states and sometimes different rules from the counties. And so I think it's almost the most difficult part is figuring out when it's your turn and where to go. And that's something that the administration is vowing to help with. But that's not going to be an easy job.
0: I don't know if communication was a problem in the Trump administration between states and the federal government. Do you feel like that's changing now?
2: I feel like communication has always been a big issue, but obviously the Trump administration did its very best to play this all down. And when it came to the vaccines, I think they thought their job was to get the vaccine developed and approved by the FDA, which they did. And they said from the beginning that, well, states should decide how they want to distribute it. And I think the Trump administration just never really put enough of a priority on that last mile, or really that last six inches. And that's where, obviously, the effort
0: needs to be expended now. JULIE ROVNER is chief Washington correspondent for Kaiser Health News. You can also find her on What the Health podcast, where she is the host. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. In 15 seconds, we're back with more on COVID, the latest on ways the virus is mutating. Welcome back to Axios Today. Yesterday, President Biden issued travel restrictions for non-U.S. citizens coming from South Africa, the United Kingdom, Brazil, and 27 other European countries. These are all places where new variants of the coronavirus have been spreading. Axios' future correspondent, Brian Walsh, has been looking at how effective the vaccine would be against these three major new variants. Brian, let's start with the U.K. strain, which we already know is here in the U.S. What do we know about that strain?
1: What seems to be the case is that this is a more transmissible version of the virus. And there is some preliminary evidence coming out of the U.K. that it might be deadlier as well. At this point, it seems as if the vaccines will still be effective against the U.K. strain. That's what scientists have said. So far, and they know that by looking at how the mutations have shifted the virus, try to match up to how the vaccine acts to prevent infection. And what they seem to think is that it shouldn't have a major effect on the effectiveness of the vaccine.
0: The other variant that we've also seen in England was first identified in South Africa. What can you tell us about that one?
1: This one also seems somewhat more transmissible as well. There is an issue here where this one may reduce vaccine effectiveness somewhat.
0: And then the last strain you've been looking at is from Brazil, which unfortunately yesterday we also learned has been detected in the U.S. and Minnesota. That strain is not good when it comes to thinking about how it responds to the vaccine.
1: The Brazilian variant is pretty worrying because this one actually does seem to have more effectiveness when it comes to escaping the vaccine. And one thing that really caught my attention is that there's a city in the Amazon in Brazil called Manaus that had just a terrible outbreak back in the spring. That city has been hit with another wave of a really serious outbreak, and that may indicate that you can get more reinfections with this new variant, which is really becoming dominant within Brazil. So, again, that's another sign that it's not just one still target that you're trying to conquer here with the coronavirus. It's constantly moving, and we're going to need to adjust as well.
0: Some people might be listening to this and think, if we're not sure if the vaccines work against these new variants, should we bother taking it?
1: Well, as far as we know, it still does work. So that's something important to keep in mind. And also, you know, there's still the original strain out there, which we know these vaccines are very effective against. Nothing here about these new variants indicates that if you're on the fence that you shouldn't get a vaccination. If anything, I would really hope this really convinces people that they absolutely have to get a vaccine now if they can.
0: Brian Walsh writes the Axios Future Newsletter. Vice President Kamala Harris is the first graduate of a historically Black college or university to enter the White House. This is putting a spotlight on HBCUs when their student enrollment is also evolving. Non-Black students now make up a quarter of HBCU student bodies. Axios' race and justice reporter, Russell Contreras, has been writing about how these universities' legacies are changing.
3: A lot of historic Black colleges and universities were founded on the basements Of churches right after emancipation because black students were systemically prevented from going to school in colleges.
0: Russ, is there any concern that this demographic shift would fundamentally change the identity or role of HBCUs in the black community?
3: A lot of these schools preach this mission that you have an obligation to help out marginalized communities, specifically the black community. And there are concerns that the more non-black students you bring in, they might change and they might divert that mission. The opposite or happen, that you bring in students from diverse populations and they are invested in that mission. For example, when you go to Texas Southern's Law School, you find that 25% of its students are Hispanic. A lot of those students become lawyers and judges, and they advocate on positions around people of color. These graduates of HBCUs, whether they're Latino, Asian American or black, serve as a bridge and are building new coalitions to define civic life.
0: Russell Contreras is Axios's race and justice reporter. Thanks, Russ. Thank you. That's it for us today. You can always send us feedback by emailing podcasts at axios.com. You can also always find me on Twitter. My handle is NylaBudu. Boodoo. Thank you so much for all the wonderful reviews. Please keep them coming if you like the show because it makes it easier for other people to find us. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And I'll see you back here tomorrow.